It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East. It's our weekly look at the teams, the coaches, the players, and the stories from the schools comprising the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook, joined by Providence Journal beat writer and author Kevin McNamara. We no longer have any team in the Big East undefeated in conference play through three weeks. So who's surprised by this, really, when you think about it? Does this indicate parity, strength, that teams have work to do? Or, Kev, maybe a little bit of everything. What do you think? I think the balance at the top of the league is is welcomed. In all honesty, uh, we've seen Villanova go sixteen and two the first three years of of the league, and I think we store, we, we said on the show that we didn't think that anyone could go sixteen and two this year, and uh, that Villanova is off to a four and one start. Is so far we look smart. Then another we words, do right? yeah. four four and one is an excellent start in this league. Sure, uh, I, I can't imagine that they're going to uh, lose only one more game the rest of the season. But it also, I, I would throw Seton Hall into that top half of the league right now, and I think the chance to, to knock heads against those other four teams at the top, if you're Villanova, uh, those are very difficult games. Yeah, well, what we do have through midweek this week, three teams tied at to the top of the Big East standings with one league loss. Creighton and Villanova both have four wins. Xavier is a half a step behind at 3-1. and one. Seton Hall is 2-2 two and two after midweek games as well, so there is a log jam that's beginning to form. And Xavier, the last, last to lose, uh, not a shock that the they would go into uh, the pavilion and lose 79-54, but the margin of victory was a major surprise. Uh, I, I would imagine Chris Mack uh, would be, he's, I'm sure he's upset with his team's effort in the second half when things just got away from you. But, you know, John, we've been to the pavilion. Those things happen there. How about on uh, Wednesday night as well this week with Creighton getting out to an early league on Butler and then putting the Bulldogs away? And so Creighton now, even though they've lost to Villanova, they certainly have assumed uh, up on the top mantle shelf, top shelf in the Big East. Well, they have. And, you know, protecting your home court against elite teams is the way to get it done in this league. Uh, losing to Vill- Villanova, again, not a shock at home on uh, New Year's Eve was a difficult and really Creighton's only loss thus far to bounce back impressively against Butler yeah. uh, at home is the way to go. So the jockeying for position really has just begun. Now, spots 6 through 10, St. John's has dropped three straight after opening with two wins. Providence, Georgetown, DePaul, and Marquette all start the process of beating up on each other. Marquette got a good home win early this week, coming from uh, leading most of the way against Seton Hall, getting stretched into overtime and then winning it at the end over the Pirates. You know, I like Marquette uh, of the second five. I like Marquette as, as the best team uh, in these you know, early returns anyways. Uh, really gave Seton Hall a big push on the road, and then in a scheduling quirk, uh, came back only two games later and, and beat Seton Hall in an overtime game at home. Marquette's going to be difficult to beat at home. That's pretty much where Wojo's teams have been very persistent in his time there. And uh, if they can protect their home court, scrap, scratch a few out, I, I can see them getting to 9-9, nine and 10-8, nine, and, and, and having an NCAA-level resume. Marquette has one of those teams that if you haven't seen them play yet, you're not going to recognize some of the guys because they had a lot of newcomers. They had a couple of transfers come in eligible. It's really not quite the same look as they had last year when Henry Ellenson was basically had everything revolving around him. But they do have some very good athletes. They can still shoot the ball, and they have one of the exciting young players in the league, too, coming up. You know, I love Marcus Howard. What a great pickup he was. He was a very late recruit for uh, Wojo. Um, I think he was online to graduate from high school in 17, 
and uh, got things uh, wrapped up ahead of time. So he was one of the plums in the recruiting uh, race last spring, and Marquette grabbed him. He's been a revelation. Might be one of the best guards in the league already, and he's a true freshman. I I will say uh, the improvement of Luke Fisher, the uh, senior big guy, has really made a big difference for Marquette. He was excellent in the uh, home win over Seton Hall. I thought one of the things last year was that he knew that he had to sort of – uh, sublet his spot, if you would, to Henry because of the offensive talent that Ellenson possessed. But he really has come into his own much more aggressive, much more uh, adept, I'd say, in the low post with some of his, his traditional big man moves. He's got a devastating hook shot when he uses it. A great size. Uh, again, his experience shows, John. Uh, that's, the, that's the biggest thing. You know, th- th- there's uh, a lot of good players in the front courts around this league. A lot of them are young. He looks like an experienced big guy. And you know, I, I do have to give uh, Marquette an awful lot of credit with stocking their program with good young players. I, I, I like Sam Hauser. I think he's going to be very good. Uh, to grab a transfer from USC like Kate, Kate Reinhardt, Reinhardt yeah. is really going to help. Um, uh, Hanif Cheatham, we saw last year, is going to be a very, very good Big East player. Now he's a sophomore. That they, they have good depth, and I think the type of mix – that uh, Coach Wojciechowski is looking for. How does now, when we have sort of got a, an upper half and, and then uh, a, another half to this league, how does this league keep from sort of hurting itself in the big picture come March? Because I know that's a question that will be on the tips of a lot of people's minds throughout the country who follow Big East basketball because these teams are going to start beating up on each other. Well, they are, but what could happen is the bottom half of the league, you know, the bottom four teams anyways, they could have some long losing streaks because you're going to face some nationally ranked teams week after week, and you could see a two-game losing streak grow to six really quickly. Uh, and as long as you're in the upper half and and don't lose to the bottom half, you could look okay right. by March. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of questions that could use some answering out there, as you probably are aware, for every team in the league. And if you have your own questions, by the way, about the teams or the players you follow in the Big East, we're going to take them on for you, and we'll get you some answers. You can follow us on Twitter, at JR Broadcaster, that's me, at Kevin McNamara 33 that's Kevin, and tweet your question to us using the hashtag TWITBE for this week in the Big East. Our Big East Spotlight this week shines on a coach in his second tour of duty in the conference as he works to restore competitiveness, even greatness, in a storied program. It is, as the saying goes, a work in progress. That's next, this week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Be a VIP and experience select NCAA championships the best way possible with the NCAA Experience. Packages for select championships, including the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship and Men's Final Four, can include game tickets, pregame VIP hospitality access, hotels, and much more. Official NCAA Experience ticket and hospitality packages are available now at NCAA.com VIP. Secure your VIP package today to experience it live. Big East Spotlight. Cartwright, he drives to the free throw line. Scoop layup with 1.1 seconds to go. Doesn't go. And the Demons win. What a comeback for DePaul. The Blue Demons of DePaul already have had some solid moments this season, including come from behind Thriller over Providence for their first Big East win. But picking off a team or two here and there is not where head coach Dave Lato wants the program. Now, consistency in winning is something everyone is after. Coach Lato joined us now this week in the Big East. Now, Dave, I know it's just midway through the second year of your second go-round at DePaul, but when you agreed to return, what you knew then about the program, how has that perception changed for you 
over the past year since you've taken over again? Well, I, I think what happens, you know, in, in a lot of situations, and, and in this one in particular, is that um, you know most people judge the success or non-success of a program, you know, based on the W's and the L's, and and obviously we all want that, and and we strive for that every single day. Uh, but you know, changing the uh, culture, I think that's a catchphrase, and and understanding you know what goes into the potential for that consistent. Uh, winning, which you just mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, there's a there's a ton of things. It's it's how your players uh, view, you know, themselves in your program, how they view each other, uh, you know, how they walk down the street, going to class, all the things that winning teams do on a day by day basis. And so, when you've got to one, you know, figure out what's going on within a program, kind of flush out some of the uh, potential negativity that that may cost you from moving forward uh, and then try to try to construct the recruiting and, and, and otherwise uh, the things that are necessary, that becomes an ongoing process. And, uh, you know, I think we're in, we're in good shape in all of those categories. We've brought in some, some really good people that I think can grow exponentially with, with the program. Um, are they ready quite yet to do everything that we need them to do? No, but I think from, you know, from all the other things that, that I mentioned, they're, they're an A plus, you know, or, Everything else is going extremely well. So um, I try to look beyond, you know, every single day in terms of, hey, did we win today? Did we lose today? Obviously, as a competitor, you want to do that. Uh, but when you're building, sometimes that's not the, the only thing that, that matters when, you, when you're trying to create success. Dave, when you come into a, a rebuilding situation, you always want a rock or two left behind. And needless to say, Billy Garrett is, is that rock for you. Uh, you just discuss his leadership a little bit, A. And B, I'm curious how you looked at uh, your first you know, really big recruiting class this year. last year. It, it's a little bit of everything. It's a junior college. It's a, it's a transfer. It's you know, several impressive freshmen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and Billy is a, a, a extremely unique individual. He, you know, he's somebody that uh, can fit in so many different situations. You know, as a as a basketball player, he gives you everything he's got. You know, in, in spite of playing with, uh, with with sickle cell, um, he's a great listener. He's a hard worker. You know, off the court, he's a, he's a true gentleman. I mean, you could put him in any situation, and he would thrive. I mean, he's got people knocking on his door that want that want to hire him as soon as he as soon as he finishes with basketball. So he's he's got all the bases covered, uh, and it provides leadership both by example and and by vocal leadership. So, um, as you said, having been left that nugget has been really good from a transitional standpoint because I can use him as an example to others. From a recruiting standpoint, you know, I thought that, you know, what we couldn't get in that, that immediate five-star kind of kid that's going to change program around, you've got to do it through building. So, uh, as you mentioned, we, we brought in four freshmen that I thought, you know, had to be good people and would potentially grow, you know, as athletes and, and as people along the way. And so by the time they mature, they'd be ready to be major contributors uh, in your program. Uh, we wanted to stop gap a little bit. And so bringing in a junior college guy and a fifth-year guy um, has helped us a little bit in, in that way. And, and Trey, especially as a, as a junior college guy, has, uh, has done a really, really good job for us. Uh, and then we brought in a couple of transfers who, who happen to be amongst the best players we have on our team. So, uh, you know, trying to be a little bit more competitive or, or trying to understand in the here and now what we got to do. But, you know, planning for the future means we've got to be able to, to get guys here that we know can grow with the program and increase our talent level at the same time. 
Head coach of the DePaul Blue Demons, Dave Lato, joining us here this week in the Big East. You mentioned uh, Trey McCollum, and clearly he does look like a pretty good find from the junior college ranks. But I have a question about uh, Eli Kane, because Eli came through last year, had a superb freshman year, made uh, the all-freshman team in the Big East. He seems to play with an edge. He looks like he always has something to prove out on the floor. How can you use that to sort of rub off and develop things as you go on the program? Well, I think, you know, as he as he continues to grow in his role, you know, I think from last year to this year it's it's a completely different mindset where, you know, he was he was as a freshman a complimentary guy and he kinda got what was left over on offense and on defense, uh, and worked extremely hard to kinda improve his skills and got out of the gate really, really well this year because of that edge. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, uh, and, and he and I have talked about having something to prove. Uh, thinking and knowing that he was probably a little bit better than maybe others thought of him and using that as motivation. Uh, and so as it rubs off on other guys to say, you know, the, where you're at right now uh, as an athlete or as a person doesn't have to be where you continue to be. You know, it's about your work ethic. It's about your positive attitude. It's about attacking things every day. And if you do that, you know, there's, there's some potential for good things to happen. And so I think Eli has exemplified that very early on in his career. Uh, Dave, can you give us an update on the new arena downtown? I understand that they've started some construction. Is this your last year at Allstate, or is that kind of a gray area right now? Yeah, yeah, no, it's our last year, and uh, construction's been underway for, for about a year and a half now, and so uh, they're, they're not yet at the final stages, but we, we, we crossed a, a milestone with uh, getting the roof on and get everything done on the outside uh, before the winter came, so the rest of the work, can be done this winter all on the inside and get everything structurally ready but uh, we just had a, a naming rights uh, ceremony uh, Wintrust Bank a Chicago Bank here you know put their their efforts and their and, and their money and and uh, their belief and faith in DePaul uh, to to give us a lot of money to name the building so Wintrust Arena will be the name and we just did that months or so ago so it's it's well along it, it'll be finished you know sometime the end of the summer uh, coming up in 2017, so our first game in November of uh, of next year will will be in a new arena, and and uh, I think it's it'll be tremendous for for the city and for our program. Also tremendous for visiting media, Dave. <laughs> I, 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 I've, been, I've been at DePaul for about uh, 15 years now, and I think I've been in downtown Chicago once. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the Miracle Mile. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, it's one of the the gems of America, Chicago, especially downtown. So, be careful, though. Be careful. <laughs> exactly, Coach. Uh, just if you could give us a bit of an overview as you get ready to kind of head into what I know a lot of coaches uh, think of as a as a meat grinder when you get into the 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 the, the, the real, I guess, midst of. Big East Conference play, and and you really can't afford to take too much of a look ahead. So how do you balance the need for growth and the big picture look with the need for immediacy, especially when you're trying to train young players to tackle these kind of uh, you know uh, trips that they have to make? Best way to handle growth is to is to be consistent, you know. And I think it's like with anything else, even if you have a young person that's growing. Physically, you know, you don't look at it on a day-by-day basis. We say, wow, in six months, let's see where it comes. But you have to, that child has to live day-by-day. So practice-by-practice practice and with developing habits, understanding what is and what isn't, what should and shouldn't be, uh, doing it on a day-by-day basis off the court uh, can kind of help develop that growth. Um, and, and, you know, 18 games in this league is, a, is certainly a meat grinder. 
and so, as you mentioned, going past one day or one game is, I think, a fatal, a fatal mistake. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, you look at the early scores in, in this league, and, and uh, uh, there are some really, really good teams, particularly you know at home. And, and so, we've got to take it literally one day at a time if we're going to have any expectation that that we're going to have success either by winning games or just success as a program. And so uh, I try all the time to live in the moment and, and have our guys live in the moment that way. Coach, thanks so much for joining us today. We sure appreciate it. Okay, thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate you having me. The Blue Demons will play at Marquette Saturday afternoon before traveling to St. John's and hosting Butler next week. So how about some hot hands? Who has them? Who's showing them off? That's next, this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. When a drive for excellence combines with social justice, there is energy. When entrepreneurial spirit is unified with a passion for service, there is power. At Marquette University, when we bring people who hold these convictions together, they ignite. They become agile thinkers, fearless leaders, and willing servants. The force that acts for good no matter what ready to go forth and set the world on fire. Marquette University, be the difference. Who's hot? Jays by four, 2-11 left, first half of play. Watson, bounce pass to Thomas, high lob! Guess who? Omaha to Omaha connection! And a dunk by JP, Jays by six. With two on the shot clock, Baldwin takes it away from Hart! Baldwin goes up, reverses the lay-in! What a play. A freshman, folks. Biggest game of his life. Jones will throw it in, into Carrington. Carrington, elbow jumper from the right side. It is good to tie it up. 2.7 left, 77 apiece. Kareem Carrington, a cold-blooded jumper from the right elbow. Jays by four. Here's Watson, left-hand attack. High lob, Patton, throw it down, big man. My word. Josh Hart raises up for a three. Yes, sir, with Akira in his face from the right wing. Now to Sumner, he drives lean above the rim, Tomahawk slam, well above the iron, slamming it down. Sumner scores two Xavier leads, 91 to 72. Into the hands of McCallum, a steal for DePaul. Billy Garrett Jr. has the basketball now, 10 seconds to go. The Demons can tie the game. Garrett drives, floater up, makes it in, and one! Demons tie the game, and Garrett will have an opportunity to win it at the free throw line. Powell's going to rise up over Howard, back to the iron, bounces off, no good, it is over. Marquette hangs on to win, 89-86 in overtime. The Golden Eagles blew a 14-point lead. Seton Hall tied it with 2.7 left in regulation. But the three ball is off the mark, and Marquette wins 89-86 in overtime. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Villanova bounced back this week after taking their first loss of the season by whipping up on nationally 15th-ranked Xavier uh, earlier this week. And then Butler at Creighton on Wednesday night. Bulldogs ran into the offensive buzzsaw that is the Blue Jays as well. And, Kev, overall, between uh, you know Creighton and Villanova sort of asserting themselves, they are doing that. They're sort of assuming the mantle. But you have to say that you know there's plenty of opportunity, I think, for a lot of other teams. Well, it's tough to say that anyone's the best team in the league thus far because they've kind of all take chunks out of each other at the very top. You know, when, when 
when uh, Villanova loses to uh, you know Butler, you know Creighton loses yeah. to Villanova. It, it's right. all kind of the same. But w- what's interesting, John, is, is the elite players in the league are starting to emerge. And I know we're going to talk about a few of the the hot guys right now. We, we had our first look last week at Justin Patton at Creighton, who was the Big East freshman of the week. And uh, if there's a better NBA prospect in the league, I need to see him. I, I think he's really, really talented. Well, the Big East Player of the Week honor this week goes to Seton Hall swingman Desi Rodriguez. Junior connected on his first 10 shots of the game in a win over DePaul, scored 23 of his 25 in the first half in an 87-56 to win over the Blue Demons. Rodriguez, along with Kadeen Carrington, who we spoke with last week here on the program, and Angel Delgado, that's a pretty solid core for the Pirates. And Kev, Rodriguez did it again earlier this week as well in a uh, road game at Marquette. 30 big ones on the road. Um, you know, Des- Desi is the kind of college player that every coach really would like. He's super tough, very dependable, and now he's been a much more consistent scorer. That was the one part of his game that uh, maybe wasn't there in his first couple of years in the league, and now he's, uh, he's just a very good player. Well, you mentioned the freshman of the week. It's Creighton's Justin Patton, quickly making a name for himself around the league, if not the country. 22.5 points, 7.5 rebounds the average in two wins last week over St. John's and Providence. And Patton, with all due respect to the Hall's Angel Delgado, might be the best big man the Big East has to offer. He is a special talent. Well, he has the true NBA size at seven foot, and he's a legit seven foot, uh, um, and he can step out and shoot the ball, and that's what surprised me the most. I knew he would be a very good shot blocker. Uh, people were kind of comparing him to a Marcus Camby type with those long arms, and but the ability to step out and dribble the ball, pass the ball, shoot the and, ball, and shoot the ball from 15, 16 feet is that's what can make him a very wealthy man one day. On the Big East honor roll this week, freshman guard Kamar Baldwin of Butler, he averaged 13 points and six rebounds in a week that had the Bulldogs beating Nova. Marcus Lovett, one of two freshman guards that give St. John's its juice this season. The aforementioned Delgado, we talked about, he's turned into a double-double machine. Ten straight double-figure point and rebound performances, including 14 points and 19 rebounds rebounds in that overtime loss in Milwaukee. Last week's player of the week, Jalen Brunson, he's on the honor roll this week. He scored almost 20 points per game and shot 61% from the floor during the week. And then Edmund Sumner from Xavier kind of rounds out that list. That's a great list this week. It is. And, you know, I just want to circle back to St. John's a little bit. You know, Chris Mullen, I think, has them pointed in the right direction. Uh, Guards are so important in college basketball. And, you know, Marcus Lovett, who you just mentioned, he was out a little bit late in December with an injury. Since he's been back uh, in his last three games, he has 22, 23, and 32 points. Uh, You know, just a very effective guard. And you pair him up with Shimori Pons, they're going to be a problem. Can he and Pons, you know, share the ball enough, do you think? Well, I think that's that's the trick. You know, they both play alike, very fast, three-point shooting range for the both of them. I think if they can learn to play together and play off each other, that's just a devastating combination. Wow. And then uh, we mentioned Edmund Sumner. Look, every time I see him and you, t- and you think potential professional prospect, you mentioned ju- uh, Justin Patton, but I think Edmund Sumner, at least in the backcourt, might be also the best pro prospect this league has to offer because he's such a difficult matchup for others, and he has that length defensively at 6'6", playing a guard that can really be underestimated by whoever he's facing. Long arms, pro quickness, and an ability to see the floor. If he can develop a jump shot, he's a first-round pick. He has to do that, but you and I talked for a couple of years about a guy who had to do the very same thing who played at Providence in uh, Chris Dunn, and, and he does seem to be in that mold. 
you know, Chris ended up going fifth in the draft really because he stayed in college long enough. Uh, I'm not saying that Edmund Summer should stay or go. It's too early to, to you know, gauge that right now. But I think uh, Chris Dunn staying in the Big East for that one extra year, I think, raised his profile to the point where he's the fifth pick in the draft. A lot of hot players around the league this week. Our Big East focus, though, this week features a guy who is an absolute blur on the floor. But that speed is helping to sharpen the picture for Creighton's run at the top of the national polls. That's coming up next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. Why earn your degree from Creighton University? Chances are you want to do more than get a paycheck. Here, you'll learn how to make a real difference in the world. Have the resources to start a career you're passionate about. Make great strides in research that's changing lives. You'll be able to do more, build more, succeed more. That's why you'd come to Creighton. You're more than just a student. This is more than just an education. Go to bemore.creighton.edu. Big East Focus. Watson kicks it off to Foster, and he fumbled it away. It's a turnover, but Watson gets it right back. Watson to Foster into the corner. Three ball is gone. Watson with a basketball. Top of the key. He'll pull up from three. Boom! Maurice Watson, five points. Bank three-pointer. Jays by two. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. The Creighton Blue Jays have 16 wins, a number eight national ranking, only one loss so far this season. Seem to have all of the ingredients for a team to not only compete for a conference title, but also make a serious march run as well. And when it comes to running, perhaps no one does that better than Jays guard Maurice Watson, who joins us this week in the Big East. Now, Maurice, I've got a question for you right off the bat. Have you ever timed yourself in the 40? Or have you ever timed yourself from baseline to baseline? And how fast were you? Um, no, not really. Uh, I was thing is, I usually don't win the race. Like I don't win sprints. It's probably third or fourth all the time winning the sprints. But I mean, in the end, I don't know. But like with the basketball, I'm way faster. So I have to time that. The good news is we play the sport with the ball, and you are a blaze end to end. Maurice, I'm curious. Last year, uh, your first year, you know, out there in Omaha, kind of getting adjusted to the Big East. I, I'm curious what. Uh, the presence of Justin Patton in practice was like, and are you surprised that he's exploded this year, or did you see kind of a little bit of this in practice last year? Uh, yeah, I did. You know, um, if you guys remember, I think, I think last year, probably one of my best years at uh, finishing uh, shots around, around the back, and that was because of having Justin in practice every day. You know, I got to shoot over that big, tall frame, those long arms. Um, he's great at timing it to block shots. So um, going up to shoot over him every day last year really helped uh you know, make the shots easier to make in the game. Um, and then having him around when, you know, things aren't going well when you're losing games and his personality um, keeps you uplifted. So um, he was definitely a big positive influence in our team. And what a difference in your team this year, you know, to have an elite big guy and an elite uh, small guy. And congratulations, by the way. I understand you're one of the 25 finalists for the John Wooden Award. That's a great achievement. Oh, man, thank you. I appreciate it. How do you play off, Justin, you know, with the, with the big guy, little guy combination? Um... I mean, me and Justin just play. I mean, we we basically talk we talk out a lot about what we're going to do. You know, for every game, he asks me if I'm ready. I ask the same, and you know, we just go out there and play. Yeah, I mean, he knows I'm looking for him. Um, you know, I trust him, and he knows that. Um, you know, I want the best for him in terms of him having the best opportunity. So, um, he's going to be ready when the ball's in his hands, and um, I just want to make sure that he's doing the right things off the court and making sure that he's learning and going as a man. 
say you can take advantage of all the opportunity that's going to come towards you. Well, you lead the nation in assists, so congratulations on that, about nine per game. And having a guy like Patton to, to, to finish and a guy like Marcus Foster to finish and other guys on your team that you know can clearly knock down jump shots got to make your job a little bit easier. What, what, is it, what does it take timing-wise for you to throw those lobs to Patton in particular? Because some of those really, uh, not only are they aesthetically pleasing for the fans, but they can be real devastating to an opposing team. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you gotta you got to kind of vision things before they happen. Uh a lot of times I try to throw the – you know, a lot of you got to have great anticipation. Uh, so I try to throw the ball before Justin's even there, or I usually plan on throwing it before um, I do it. And that's why when teams are keen in on it, uh, I might turn it over once a, one or two times. But you know, those lives are definitely devastating. I mean, they're, they're, they just, they're just really, really, really um, hard to recover from, especially when we're rolling and our, and our fans are getting to the game and it's getting louder at arena, and it's just hard to play through that. Maurice, can you talk about the start of uh, the season this year? Obviously a historic start at Creighton, the best start in many, many years uh, in Omaha. Uh, the, the excitement around the program, even before the Big East opened, was, was really at a high level. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, this, this, start is, uh, this start is such a special start because we haven't had any flip-up games, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, technically, the year, if you were to say we were to lose a, a, a game, you would want to be the number one team in the country. Um, but the fact that we've We've won games and we've learned things in victory and we've gotten better as a team each game. Um, I think that's the best thing about this team. And that everyone on the team is hungry and everyone's in the gym working out. So if you can tell, we have multiple guys that step up every game. And that's because a lot of guys are ready to the preparation for that. So, I mean, the guys want it and um, they're doing everything they can to make sure that it's Maurice Watson, again, senior guard for Creighton, joining us here this week in the Big East. You guys are devastating offensively, and, and I know that you, you have to uh, take some pride in the fact that you're fourth nationally in two-point shooting, you're fourth nationally in three-point shooting, I think in the top five or six in offensive efficiency overall, which means you know clearly that's, that's the part of the game that you guys do best. What's it like to be a point guard on a team where you know every option you go to can score? Well, I mean, that, that's what you want as a point guard. Um, a lot of times growing up, my dad had me on the B team, so I was on the team that just had the best player. Um, so I always had to play and lead guys, and I think that's why uh, I had to I had to score um, a lot and I know how to do that. But I mean, it's just it's just all about you know taking what you know as a, you know as a team, and um, you got to rock out with the flow and go with the flow and keep playing hard and keep everything and keep everything the same regardless of how much you win, because uh, because people are really going to you know try to start. You know, and that, that pressure, they're going to start um, trying to hate on you from the outside. Okay, then you might read some, you know, some stuff. And if you're not close together as a team, then you, know, you won't be able to survive. Maurice, kind of a different question here. Looking at your roster, pretty much just yourself and freshman Jordan Scurry, are the only guys really from the from the Big East area, uh, you know, along the East Coast? Yeah. Um, I know that your staff is out recruiting kids from from the east and from the big cities along the east coast. What would you say to kids who you know is Nebraska a long way away? Just that when you want to do something, you need to go somewhere that you can really focus and there's going to be your main distraction. Um, and while Omaha is far, I really think Omaha is far. A lot of people, you know, kids from back home who have dreams. I mean, it's a great school. There are great people in this in the city, and and you can really be you can really have an impact on people's lives here. And then I think Omaha will be a great place for someone who wants to come and, you know, focus on, on you know, one or two things. And, you know, even after having the right opportunity for jobs here in Omaha also. So I just think it's a nice place for people who want to, you know, have a nice, quiet place to focus in. You know, so I like, I just, I would tell everybody to come out here and, you know, 
play for one of the best coaching staff in the country and be, have, be around the best facilities and be around the best people and just a comfortable atmosphere. I don't know anybody who would want to be around that. You know, uh, transfers, uh, get, uh, there's so many transfers around the country now. Some people say too many. It's, it's you know, the upheaval in rosters is too much in college basketball. And a lot of, you know, a lot of transfers don't work out. I would hold you as, as maybe the best example of a perfect transfer. You chose the perfect school. You, you've, you look for opportunity yep. and, and filled it. Can you just speak to that a little bit? Well, I mean, yeah, when I was deciding to transfer, I mean, it was a big, big decision for me because, you don't want to leave, you know, you risk leaving a good opportunity where I was at a good situation at Boston. You know, where I was playing all the time and I was, you know, leading the team. And you risk that better opportunity. And, you know, you don't know if that's actually going to pay it off. So you, you don't want to make a, a lesser step. But, you know, my whole thing when, the, when I was transferring is I'm going to go to a equal situation or better. Uh, and I thought so this was a better situation. And, I mean, it worked out for me, um, which I was nervous about. But um, it's something I do for your own life. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm the one who's going to have to, you know, live with whatever I do. If I want to stop playing basketball and get a job today, that's my life. I can do that. So you got to make some decisions for yourself sometimes. It, um, it, was a, it was a tough decision, but it all worked out for the best. All right, Maurice, one more for you here. It may be a, a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What's better for you? What's more What's more of a pump pump up for you, the perfect pass for an assist or the big three? Uh, the perfect pass for the assist. I was actually just, well, actually, yesterday, Taz's threes were, they meant more to me than the assist. Because, <laughs> because I, you know, me and Taz have been talking about him getting back in and making some more shots, and he did that yesterday. So I was just telling you know, the team, I feel like my my assists are like basketball, and they even get us going sometimes. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's just what I do. I mean, I get into a really good groove of finding guys. You know, I prefer to do that, and then when the time calls, because of how much I've passed, how well my team shoots, it opens up a lot of score opportunity for me. Creighton senior guard Maurice Watson. Thanks, Maurice. The national perspective is next. We'll catch up with a longtime cat who saw a magical season unfold for Villanova last year. Do they have a team that can do it again? That's next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the national perspective. To walk these classrooms, these fields, these courts, is to walk in the footsteps of legends. Villanovans who have built a legacy of success, both in and out of the classroom. Bound by tradition, humility, and our commitment to each other, we are stronger together. We are fearless, relentlessly pushing ourselves to victory. We believe in Nova Nation and give ourselves to it totally, even when no one is looking. We are Villanova, and each of us strengthens all of us. National Perspective. Pascal on the right wing, back to DiVincenzo. Thought about a long-distance three, but a good closeout by Gates. Hart now at the foul line. Great bounce pass to Reynolds for the two-handed flush. Josh Hart's passing abilities are getting better and better and better. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East, and it's rare that we actually have the chance to gain some perspective on the league and one of its top teams from a guy who's been around the game longer than the Big East has actually been alive. Whitey Rigsby is one of those guys, is a former Villanova Wildcat and analyst for the team's radio broadcast, and he sure got to call a gem last April in Houston. Well, thanks, John, Kevin. I appreciate you so much having me on. I really do. And uh, I think that from the beginning, uh, Coach Wright made it very clear that the team that won the national championship was last year's team, not this year's team. He really drew a distinction for these guys. Let them understand, hey, you, you had plenty of time to enjoy this, but, but you're not returning national champs. That team was. Uh, this team is different. And But you know what? That's a good selling job if you could sell it because a lot of these guys are the same. 
Then they come out and win the first 14 games, get ranked first in the country for four or five weeks. It's kind of hard to convince them that they're not real good, and they are good. They're, they're very good. They play hard. They play just like Villanova did in the past, but they're trying to work in some new parts. And, and the, way our, the way Villanova plays, uh, the most challenging part is the defense. And the defense, it's, I always compare it to like an offensive line in football. The longer they play together, the better they are. And generally the weak link is the newest player. Mm-hmm. Like it might have been Brunson last year. Now we have some kids we're trying to work in this year. It makes it a little more of a challenge. So they're not as good defensively. Plus, uh, the kid of Chepa was just so good defensively and such a good leader in the back of the defense that it made a world of difference. But they miss him. That was actually my next question, Whitey. Without Oshefu, it is a smaller team, but yet it's a very difficult team to guard. Uh, you know, offensively, I think they they might even be a little better uh, this year because of their versatility. But defensively and off the glass, can you just speak to to how this team has played so far? You know, we th- we thought that exactly that, that this team would struggle with bigger people. We weren't big last year, but we did have Daniel, who was six eleven. Well, now you have Dow Reynolds, who's about six nine. Who only plays about half the game. So half the game you're playing all perimeter people. And um, so we were concerned. And early on in the season, they played some big teams. Once you get into league play, there are not a lot of big players in the league like the old league. You know, if you think the teams that left the league, you know, Pittsburgh and Notre Dame and Syracuse had more size. Louisville had size. The league now, there aren't a lot of big players in it, tall 6'11 type guys. So it's not as big as it might have been in the past. But we played at Purdue early who had a 7'2 guy and a 6'11", Caleb Swanigan, who's probably a lottery pick, mm-hmm. and we managed to hang out on the glass and be okay. Uh, we played against Central Florida, who has a 7'6 guy, uh, this guy Taco Fall, mm-hmm. who's, who's a good player, and we managed that as well. So because we create such difficulty on the offensive side, cause we, could play, again, we could play five guys who can all shoot threes. How do you come out and guard us when you're playing a 7'6 guy? Who's he guarding? Yeah. And, and that, you know, we've outscored some people like that, but rebound, like, we haven't gotten killed on the glass any game of the first 16 we played this year. No one's killed us. There have been some, some defensive problems. We played Davey the other night, and they had 10 or 12 offensive rebounds, which I know Coach Wright wasn't particularly pleased about. But, you know, at the end of the day, we won the game by 29. Whitey Rigsby, former Villanova Wildcat, analyst for the Villanova Radio Network, joining us this week in the Big East. So what are your observations of the league thus far this year? And you just talked about a game against Xavier earlier in the week, and obviously uh, you know, you have already taken a loss, and there's no undefeated team left in the league. How does that speak, do you think, to the balance this season? I, I think the league's great. I think it's the best year of the league. I think, it's, I think there's four very good teams, and I think it's obviously the four are, uh, you know, Creighton, Xavier, Butler, and Villanova, I think, are very, very good teams. They've been nationally ranked in the top 15 most, if not all, of the year. So I think th- those four have kind of separated themselves a little bit. I certainly think Seton Hall and Marquette uh, could be problematic as well, uh, especially on the, when you play those two sides. Seton Hall's always been a problem for Villanova these past two years. You know, so I think they're, they're very good, too. And then I, then I think that there's the rest of the league. But I think overall the, the league power uh, is strong. I think, in, I think Villanova winning the national championship last year solidified that this is one of the best basketball leagues in the country, without it, without a doubt. And I think that, that um, having four teams in the top 15 or top 20 this year just confirms that. And you see night after night, uh, I tell you what, I think Creighton is really good. Like, we've played all three of those teams now, and we beat, we won at Creighton, but I think they're really good. I, I mean, I, I think they're a very, very good team. Would you say that they're the second-best team? I'm probably not supposed to say that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think they probably are. But, you know, we, we saw Xavier the other night who came out against Villanova in the pavilion like gangbusters, and 
then Villanova kind of settled the game down a little bit. So, um, but, uh, and, and we, we lost at Butler. Butler, Butler has a, I just didn't think Butler, after losing uh, Jones and Dunham, could possibly be as good. And, and they're probably a little better. They have, they have a lot of players. And, and all, all three of those teams really just have more players than Villanova do. They have more numbers. The Villanova's playing seven guys. Those teams, Xavier plays ten. Butler has eight or nine guys. Four or five guys you've never even heard of who are really good players. Yep. And, and then Creighton, Creighton has some new players also that, that you, John, you and I never saw play. <laughs> and, but they're, they're very talented kids. Wendy, I know that uh, Villanova will be at the Garden this weekend to play St. John's, and uh, needless to say, the Garden's been a, been an enjoyable place for Wildcats and their fans over the years. You know, this is the 35th anniversary of the Big East tournament at the Madison Square Garden, and well, although Jay Wright has only won one Big East tournament, which is amazing if you really think about it with the success is, that he's is. had in 2015, uh, I, I'm sure you regard the Garden as as a really a great home for Villanova. Well, it is. And in New York City in general, and I'm from New York City, so I, I love going back there every year. But if you think about Villanova over the last few years, they've won six games in Brooklyn in the last two years. <laughs> they've beaten St. John's two or three times. They've won eight or nine games in the Garden with the Big East tournaments. They've had very great success in New York. Jay likes going to New York because he spent time there as a assistant at Hofstra. So uh, they have some good memories playing there, and, and, and all these kids seem to really step up. And I think one of the great things this league still has is Madison Square Garden. For the St. John's game, and of course for the Big East tournament, and 35th year, hard to believe it's 35 years, and I'm only 28. <laughs> yeah, we, we know that about you. Whitey, do you have any particular memory that stands out in your mind as significant? One thing that maybe causes you to still say wow to this day over the previous 34 years of the Big East tournament at MSG? Well, I tell you what, the, the, one, the, the one I have that you'll remember, John, because it was against Providence, yeah. uh, I'll stay in a second, but the memory that the main memory everyone will have is the six overtime game between Connecticut and Syracuse. I was not there, sure. but I was I was lying in bed late into the hours trying to stay up and watch the thing. <laughs> uh, it was a tremendous game. There have been so many good games. Villanova won a championship back in the 90s with Kittles, Kittles group, and the play, the individual play I remember was Kittles jumping over Troy Brown <laughs> and dunking on him. It, it, was, it was a phenomenal athletic play, and, and that's the play that sticks out the most. But then also there was the great shot, remember, by Ray Allen against that Georgetown team. Sure. A, kind of a runner, uh, and then Kimball Walker had a great shot against Pittsburgh to win a championship. Also, the year they they went on to win the national championship. Right. So, there's just so many. I mean, for guys who've been around a long time, which I guess we have to say we are. Uh, there's just so many memories that came out of out of that 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 venue over these last 34 years. I, I look forward tremendously to this year. And I talked to there you go one of your New England guys, John Gaffney, the official, <laughs> who's a friend of mine. I talked to him after the uh, championship game last year. When he didn't call a foul on Seton Hall when Park was going to the basket, probably cost us the championship. And he said, Jay Wright owes me that. He <laughs> says, because if I call that foul, you guys probably don't win the national championship. Spurred you guys on to win. Right. And, and I would tell you that a couple of years ago when Providence and Villanova met in the semifinals and Brian O'Connell uh, called a kind of a phantom foul on Ryan Archidiacono against Ben Bentel, the Associated Press put out a, a photo of the play, and there's a good solid six inches of space between the two players. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, John. You don't expect Whitey to agree with that call, do you? Yes, I do. hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. I tell you one thing, and I, I, I kid about Gaffney, who's a terrific rep. We are very lucky, and it, you know, you guys know, if you go around the country at all, and you're playing some of these tournaments, different places with other officials. And I have a son who plays Division Two basketball now. The officiating in the Big East at that level is tremendous. Yeah. Certainly relative to everything else, and, and I kid him. We're so fortunate with John Cal running those those refs and. and 
and how good our officials are. Absolutely. They're just tremendous overall. I, I take shots at them all the time, of course, but I, I get paid to do yeah, yeah, Yes, we do, yeah. but you are absolutely correct <laughs> about that. No, no doubt about it. Whitey, thanks for the time today. Great to visit with you. Hey, John, Kevin, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you guys real soon. Yep, see you in a week. Thank you. Who's got next? They're lining up. We'll knock them down with what's ahead. Coming up this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. As one of the country's leading Catholic universities, Seton Hall has been shaping students in mind, heart, and spirit since 1856. Today, the hall is home to nearly 10,000 students taught by world-class faculty. Our professors shine in the classroom, sharing their expertise with bright young minds who are hungry to learn. And as a member of the Big East, our student-athletes compete in one of the nation's top athletic conferences. Whether on the court or in the classroom, our students learn by doing. This is Seton Hall's moment. Be part of it. Who's got next? Sumner penetrates, kicks outside into the corner. It goes J.P. McCurry. Three is on the way. Xavier leads 5-0 as that scorches the cores on the way down. And Xavier leads 5-0. We played a minute. John Rook and Kevin McNamara with you this week in the Big East. And, Kev, this week it actually tips off a little old-school Big East. UConn plays at Georgetown on the weekend. But the games that really matter, we could have another early-season elimination match in Indianapolis. On Saturday, Xavier's at Butler. Seton Hall plays at Providence. And then we have Marathon Monday. All five schools playing back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back on Marathon Monday on Martin Luther King Day. That'll be a great day of basketball. All ten schools, five big-time games. Yes, five games, I yes. should say. You're right. You know, uh, obviously, when when you have five Big East games on, on one day, just go get your favorite beverage, uh, get the pizza man ready to go, and, and you're all— Bring it. Go to a game, but then come back and hit the couch <laughs> because FS1 has every single game. Uh, the one that jumps out at me, John, is Creighton at Xavier. You know, tough weekend for Xavier going at Butler on Saturday. And then and at— then, and yeah, then and hosting home. Creighton, yeah. you know, that, that's probably you know, that's the toughest turnaround of anyone in the country uh, in that uh, circumstance. And then Seton Hall at Villanova is is a scary game, you know, squeaky game at the Pavilion. I, th- you know, it's awful tough to pick against Villanova ever playing at the Pavilion, but Seton Hall always plays Villanova difficult. The other games of the day will actually start off at twelve noon Eastern time with Marquette playing at Butler at four thirty in the afternoon. DePaul will play at St. John's, and then wrapping up the. Five games, 10-team marathon on Monday. Providence plays at Georgetown in Washington. Uh, A rematch of uh, a game earlier in the season where Providence uh, had uh, everything in line and played well to beat the Hoyas uh, at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. The Friars let a really bad loss get away from them uh, at DePaul, so the opportunity to get back in the win column and sweep the Hoyas is, a, is an important one for Ed Cooley. Don't forget to tweet us your questions on your favorite teams, players, coaches in the Big East Conference. Use the hashtag TWITBE for this week in the Big East. Our thanks this week to DePaul head coach Dave Lado, Creighton senior Maurice Watson, and the most famous Villanova Wildcat outside of Jay Wright and Roley Massimino, that's Whitey Rigsby, for joining us. Thanks also go out to the flagship stations, our friends at DePaul, Creighton, Xavier, and St. John's for their assistance this week. And thanks to producer Kevin Collins and to the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. And don't forget to tweet us, hashtag TWITBE. We'll be back same time next week, this week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, 
Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.